Two movies enter, one movie leaves as we watch two breaking in. One starring Gabrielle Union in theaters now. The second starring Burt Reynolds not in theaters now. All on today's there can be only one podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the There Can Be Only One podcast where we watch two movies that have nothing to do with each other, but have the same title anyway. The Gall. How dare you? But no worries. That is why I'm here with... Herman Omega Prime Davis. We are going to come up with a title for you if we deem your movie not worthy of that title. And tonight, we have yet another movie in theaters now that is the title of something else. Uh, This is a nice string that we have going. Uh, Looking at the list of 2018 movies... We are not in short supply of things that are coming out in theaters that we can tie to something. In fact, we have people biting at the bit to go to see Solo in order to watch the other Solo that I'm blanking on. Who's, who's Mario the guy? Van Peebles. Yeah, damn straight. Yes. Of course, it's Mario Van Peebles. That's yes. why I was, I don't know why I was blind. Never seen the other Solo. You never seen the other Solo? Yeah. He, oh, come on, man. Uh, it, it was Posse that ruined it. <laughs> um, because now, at one point he was one of those people that uh, that that seemed like oh this is going to be one of those action stars that you can follow around mm-hmm. and he'll he'll do some awesome stuff but when he saw Posse the 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 Gigolo film that that the name's escaping me that came out last year but he he was like in a couple Adam Sandler films before that but he's supposed to I mean he's he's a big enough name in Mexico to where he can get that uh, the crossover audience. audience. Yeah. And it did well enough. This one, uh, they realized they didn't have, with, with this Gabriel Union one, they realized they didn't have that same uh, uh, crossover material. So they had to come up with something. Yeah. And they looked at what, was, what came out in May, and it turns out Mother's Day is right there. And you know what? Gabrielle Union is a mother in this movie. She's a mother. She's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Gabriel Union. Oh, that's all right, baby. <laughs> so we'll, we'll play the preview for you right now, uh, just just in case you weren't familiar enough with it. And I don't think the preview is going to say too much because there isn't like a voiceover guy that, that gives you a play-by-play of the whole thing. But <laughs> but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let it happen right now. I know this is not how you wanted to spend your weekend, but guess what? Me neither. She was supposed to see her boyfriend. Whatever. He's not my boyfriend. Then why did he make you a playlist? Filled with sex songs. Oh my god, shut up, Mom. A whole playlist. You grew up here? Why are you selling it? That's what you do when someone passes away. Check it out. Fully automated security system. Windows have retractable shields. This place is a fortress. I guess some people get paranoid in their old age. What were you trying to hide, Dad? I just want to say again how sorry I was to hear about your father. I just want to make it through the weekend and come home. Mom? I swear to God, if you're hiding something. We're back, mother. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. We don't need to hammer it home, Herman. We got, they got, 
They got their the attention. You really, you really, you, you grabbed you sure, it. You sure it's about mother? It's about good, about <laughs> mother. What a mother would do for her kids. You sure they got that? All right. Because so, the movie kind of makes sure you get that idea. There's nothing a mother won't do for her kids. Right, right. The, this is <laughs> this movie is billing itself as the female take on on Taken. The where you get a, a reasonably known actor or actress out there and put them in a scenario that you normally don't see them in. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really hyped up with Gabrielle Union. Like, she's a producer in this film. Oh, yes. She's, she she is tied mind. specifically to the success or demise of this movie. And uh, I'm guessing, based off of uh, what everybody else thought, that her kids just look easily kidnappable, and without a doubt, if you if you've yeah. seen this movie, they don't put up much of a fight anyway. So are we, so, are we, are we not spoiling? Because I mean, oh, okay, I'm not I'm not spoiling anything. No, I mean, we, I want to spoil movie. this movie. No, 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 it's not necessary to spoil. Okay. We can we can go by the play by play at the okay, beginning. Okay, okay. So we open up on this man who is rich. Uh, you you see, he's rich, and they the the defining factor of his richness is he not only has like multiple. Uh, jogging outfits he can choose from, but he has multiple watches that he can put on his arm depending on his mood. Like it might just be on what time of, like what day he decides to wear this watch, sort of mm-hmm. thing. You know, well that's how you know you're rich. You buy how many watches you can put on, right. and how many belt buckles you have. Right. Um, he, although it looks like he has only one iPod shovel, uh, <laughs> that, so he didn't have like a different color based off of the jumpsuit. He just had the one. Uh-huh. He didn't. He didn't have like a junk drawer filled with iPod shovels. And you can tell he has, like, particular music taste anyway that he wants to go with. And like most people, you don't just, like, buy a whole bunch as an accessory. Did you know that in Baby Driver, the reason why he had so many iPods is because they wanted it to make it look like it was a trophy that Baby had after stealing someone's car? He would take either their glasses or their iPod. No, if they I had did not that. catch that, no. That, that's why he had so many pairs of sunglasses as well. It's because he would just, it would just be from all the times he stole cars. Okay, that's a good, that's a good serial killer you know, instinct. Well, it's just something that he had. He, it was like a, a way to show that he not only found music, that he didn't know was out there, mm-hmm. but he had all those different types of iPods depending on the mood that he felt like. Like this is the mood I want to I want to wear this iPod yeah. sort of thing. So that that was mm-hmm. that's what Edgar Wright was trying. Uh, so that's kind of what they were going with this guy. Except not much in the establishing character. He 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 jogs. He gets to an intersection, looks both ways. Like this is this is how how um, I they wanted to make sure you knew that like this guy was purposely getting run over. He looks both ways and he yeah. gets right in the middle of the street and kaboom gets hit. And you're like, oh man, he's down for the count. And then the driver comes out and kicks him in the face, made yes. to black. Uh, next shot is you see Gabrielle Union and her kids going off to a house. Now she is estranged from this guy who is her father, and this looks like it happened right after her mom died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is totally rich. But she doesn't really care. I'm guessing their family's pretty well off, too. She probably had, like, a trust fund set up. That's just a guess. Well, and the husband, uh, look like he, uh, he he makes appearance in the movie, but look like he uh, some type of businessman because he was uh, away. He had a button-down shirt, yeah. and it was long sleeve. Well, he, he was away <laughs> on a meeting. You know, that's why he didn't show up with, with, with his wife and kids at the at the house where the brothers uh, go down. Yeah, it definitely felt like if you were someone that has never been to this house and you heard stories about how rich he is, it doesn't matter what sort of uh, business you're in. Mm-hmm. If you see that someone's rich and they've got like a, a ranch 
like a nice ranch on the countryside, you're going to take a day to kind of look at it, especially since they're selling the place. Especially that house right there. That house was a nice-ass house. Yeah, I was th- like, this, damn. This, this guy just, I guess he felt like he was rich enough to where he didn't have to deal with that sort of thing because mm-hmm. he, he immediately decides he's not going to go out with them. There's a brief conversation that he has on the phone. The, um, the kids are a mix of boredom and curious. Like the, You have the, the typical teenage daughter who wants nothing to do but to talk to boys, but she can't because she's grounded sort of thing. Uh, the the son... Oh, the children's names. I thought her name was Jazz. Just I did not realize Jazz is short for Jasmine after a little while. Yeah. It was weird that they would name both their kids after Transformers, but th- that's <laughs> fine. The other one is named Glover. So, yeah. so you have Jasmine and Glover as the two kids. You have Gabrielle Union. I don't even care what her real name is. Her name is Gabrielle Union in this movie. She establishes herself as nothing but no. the actress Gabrielle Union. That, yeah. That's all you really need to know, that she's now settled down and has kids. Basically, she could still be married to Dwayne Wade. That's As far as you knew, that's who she's married to in this movie. Basically, yes. Uh, she's, she's settling affairs while they're there. But as they open the door, curious. The alarm's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll just go around. Um, the the grandfather's got plenty of cool, neat toys to mess around with, like a a drone that uh, that Glover immediately uh, hones in on. There's also a security system with uh, one of those three screen laptop situations where you get to see like 27 angles from everywhere. He's basically running an inside casino, yeah. seeing everything that goes on in his house. They're trying to give you the uh, the point that this guy is paranoid about his money and paranoid about his safety. Turns out that's a very good thing to be paranoid about because he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is he got killed by people who do not know how to rob anybody. That's the that that's the real issue I have with this movie. Other mm-hmm. than that, nothing happens at all. Uh, uh, eventually, uh, the kids get kidnapped. Gabrielle Union is outside. She. Um, she has to deal with four criminals. This is all the, the death count really can get to. Is It's in, like, single digits. That's another disappointing film. If, uh, think about this movie. If you're going around saving two kids, not one kid, Liam Neeson killed hundreds of people to get one kid back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gabrielle Union, at tops now, only has to kill four people to get two kids. That is a bad criminal-to-kid ratio that you have for this movie. And both of these films are already PG-13, so don't give me the rated uh, system on this sort of thing. It it doesn't... Maybe they didn't realize what they had and decided in editing to make it more look like this was going to be that type of movie. I can tell you, the film that they should have uh, mirrored this after, and it looks like it's closer to it than this, is Panic Room, uh, where you have... Two people going yeah. up against a group of robbers. Yeah, Jordy. Yeah, I mean, it basically, it's the same. Cause if you watch Panic Room, the criminals was not like the mastermind criminals. There was just a bunch of uh, amateurs that's drawn together because somebody say that this house has something. Yes. And that's basically is the plot in this movie also. Right. So there was amateurs. So you, you're right. There, that is a good uh, comparison to Panic Room. Um, my gripe about the movie was... Well, Gabriel Union. Oh, we haven't we haven't gotten to the we, we'll, we'll, okay, get, we'll, okay, get, okay, we'll get to okay. the point. Okay. Uh, Gabriel Union um, is basically given the scenario where uh, by by criminal number one, the main mastermind, the dad in the Twilight series, who was boring, <laughs> McBoring face in that series, and he looks incredibly tired in this movie. Uh, I thought he looked like a cross between Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Raylan from Justify. He just didn't look. He didn't look menacing. 
The the Hispanic gang member sort of looked menacing. Yeah, but he I guess he felt like he was going to play a stereotype. The whole time he just wanted to be menacing but annoyed menacing. Mm-hmm. Like he's done worse, sort of thing. Like, oh yeah, I've killed people before. This is this is a walk in the park. All I have to do is kill kids, no problem. You have the uh the the other guy that they that they immediately sissify by saying he blew a bunch of people in jail. <laughs> like, they mentioned it twice in the movie. Just in case you didn't hear it the first time. Yeah, just, just, yeah, just for the people in the cheap seats, they decided to do that. And then the fourth guy is the mulligan. Uh, not the mulligan, excuse me. The um, uh, I wanted to say mulligan, and then I, I completely forgot what, what the term I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Basically, like the stones in the Infinity War films. The uh, What is that called? The MacGuffin? MacGuffin, that's it. He's okay. the MacGuffin because he is the key to finding and opening the safe. Mm-hmm. He ends up on the outside with Gabrielle Union when the lockdown happens. So she knows where he is, and they've got the kids. So they figure even trade, even though inside they're like, we're totally killing these kids. Like, they, like immediately, and the kids are like, man, I want to die, sort of thing. Uh, you find out that it has nothing to do with his skills, and this is also problem number two with this. It's just something he actually had on him. So he wasn't necessarily the MacGuffin, but they only gave one person the code to be able to open a safe. Yeah. Like a it was a flash drive that they inputted in somewhere. I didn't like when that happened, I just rolled my eyes. Like whatever. And I, I kinda wrote that back to them being amateurs. Yes. Like that's that's it. Like he was he, the reason why he had the chip was because he's the one that came up with the program. Right. Even though but he told the guy who get on his knees how to work the program. Right. So I guess he coulda gave that guy a chip too, just in case they got separated, but Yeah, you know. they tried to show that he had a very paranoid nature by not for him not to have a cell phone. Even if they think that the government's tracking him, he would have a burner on him. Like, they made sure that this movie just would not have any way of contacting him after a certain point. So, um, you have a a weird cat and mouse situation where it's not really cat and mouse. It's just a, I want my kids. You're not going to have your kids, and I want the money. It's like, this is bad negotiating. (laughs) And eventually leads to... uh, not really any action shots, just a couple of scenes where Gabrielle Union, it could have led to some action shots. There's only one scene that really felt like it was earned, and that's when she kills the, the Hispanic dude. But that's about it. Everything else just felt, meh. Like, a lot of it just, like, they had to have moments in it where you could tell they knew they were in a PG-13 movie. Like, they said frickin' a lot. Like, they couldn't even find a better word for it. They just went, hey, you better freaking keep quiet sort of thing. But they kept calling <laughs> they called Gabrielle Union a bitch a lot because you can say bitch in yeah. PG-13 films. You just can't say fuck. So they gave Gabrielle Union the fuck at the very end. He's like, you don't fucking mess with my cow. Well, exactly you know why they said. did that, though, because... Well, she's the star. They, no, they, they market this movie a certain way to make sure it was going to make his money. Right. She's, she, she's, the, she's the talent. She's the person behind this and I think this goes into my problem with the movie is it doesn't have enough it doesn't press the PG-13 button far enough mm-hmm. for something like this Yeah, you, you barely see anything that's interesting there is a small role that's given to that girl that was on Scrubs uh, that that when she got her uh, when she got her uh, like her, her throat cut they didn't yeah, even show that yeah, yeah. shit I was like alright whatever jeez <laughs> I think I think like you said, I think post post production. I think what they did was they probably gave they did have an R rated version, but they showed it to the um, 
who the people that, that set the ratings, what their name is called? The MPAA. Yes. They showed it to them and it was like, no, if you take this out and take this out and take this out, we give you a PG-13, which is what they wanted because of Mother's Day. They wanted to make sure that you was able to bring your, your mother and the kids to see this Lifetime movie. It's not even like, like, it doesn't have any interesting twists or turns. That's the problem. You never really find out why he has the money other than that he liquidated his assets and he was in trouble. Like, there's a, a quick blurb that you hear over the over the, uh, the, the TV, husband. But yeah, the, no, no. The husband called up and said, your dad was a criminal. You shouldn't feel guilty. Right. About, you know, you don't pay for his sins. Right, right. So he did something where he made the money in ill-gotten gains or something. Maybe they, they felt like yeah. that all less. Uh, like the, the test audiences just went, I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't want to pay yeah. attention to this movie anymore. Yeah. That might have been what happened. But there was a lot about this movie that felt like there was nothing invested in any of the people involved. Like they didn't give any sort of attachment to any of the criminals. When you cut when you cut down the criminal uh, people down to four, mm-hmm. like none of them need one of them need to be like a surprise person in some fashion. Like a mm-hmm. it, like oh she had a brother, but it was a brother that was uh, from like, another mother. Yeah yeah no, sorry, yeah yeah something like that. Like you needed you need to have that uh, emotional attachment when you've only got four people that really don't you really don't care what happens to them. Yes. Then when they die, it doesn't really it doesn't resonate. They the. Uh, it, there's there's just no bite to it. Like you could tell, Gabrielle Union's doing everything she possibly can to make this a watchable film, but there needed to be more capable hands behind the scenes helping this movie move along because it's still got what seventeen million the past weekend. Oh, it it it, it, it not basically eighteen million. Then triple his budget. Yeah, it did it it did enough to where if they decide to make breaking into electric boogaloo like <laughs> like how is that not like immediately because it sounds just like breaking yeah that that she'll just rehire or she'll just get a completely new uh group in together to be able to fix this well it's like, funny it's funny that you mentioned taken and everything you know the guy who wrote um commuter and nonstop actually wrote this script so it uh, had that element that it actually could be a sequel See, Taken was written by Luc Besson, so okay. that, that, that's the difference. Okay, okay. The, the, despite his failure of making a, a, a successful sci-fi film, I'm not going to say good or bad. <laughs> you, his films, way, his on, films just don't make money. That's yeah, like his sci-fi okay. films don't. His action, money, film, his action films make a lot more I, money. I thought Fifth Element made a lot of money. It did not. Why do you think he didn't make another <laughs> sci-fi film until he did Valerian? Like mm. it took him that long to make it because he the only ones that were willing to uh, to get were like the transporter films, you know, like those are the ones that worked. Surprisingly, so, yeah. Well, it's because they were cheap and you had a decent star behind it and it worked, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Like yeah. you, you had decent. A- the action scenes behind this were nothing. Like they had like one uh, Mexican standoff that happened on a roof that they needed to have like some close uh, shots in order for it to pull the situation to make it look like it worked out mm-hmm. for everybody. Like, they needed to get a stunt person in there to make, like, a cool flip or something to get off the roof. But instead, you just see, like, uh, and then one of the guys falls on a rock, conveniently, <laughs> sort of thing. You're like, oh, okay, well, fine. I guess he's dead, sort of thing. Like, that's basically what this film was. It was, it was, I think the best word for it is, it is full of potential. Okay. That was never realized. I go with that because anyway, I go with that potential thing because the reason why this movie actually got me to go to the theater with my kids and their mother because it was Mother's Day. Nah, I, I normally would just pay for them to go and just be my treat. Uh-huh. But because the trailer fooled me into thinking that Gabriel Union might know some like 
black ops thing because it made me think that her daddy was like a military agent and he had like a special house, uh, some somewhat similar to Patrick Stewart's safe house. And like I'm thinking, like oh, so they had like that one establishing shot where Glover like throws a croquet ball at her face and she, <laughs> she snatches it out of the air. It's like yeah. this isn't a toy, Glover. Yeah, and you know, like you, you see that, you're like oh shit. Yeah, like, like it's you, a Charlie Baltimore type of shit. Yeah, thing. so it, I thought it was gonna be like you know some off the wall action type of stuff, but then when I get there and watch the stuff, I'm treated to Gabriel Union, who I must say I do. Like her, I, I mean, I think she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. But her acting gets on my goddamn nerves because she just plays this smart ass bitch so well. She's she plays herself. There's nothing that, yeah, other than than saying that she plays herself. Yeah, and yeah, that's perfect. And she fine. and she is actually like that in real life. There was an incident at the Kentucky Derby one time. <laughs> Really? Yes. Well, um, was it between her and Ashley Judd? <laughs> no, this is before she married uh, Dwayne Wade and stuff. But basically, it was a VIP area, and uh, fo- NFL football players were trying to get in. Now, you know, NFL football players, you know, you don't see their face, so you don't really know who they are. Uh-huh. And like he was trying to tell the bouncer who he was and stuff, and she just bumped into the business, and say, uh, "I'm sorry, but you got to make at least six figures to come up in here." And he then he turned around <laughs> and say, "He said, well." I make seven figures, so I know I belong here more than you do. And you know she got. It's like, and, and, you only made six figures for bringing on. What happened to you? Yeah, so it was, and she had to apologize to him because she felt played and whatnot. So she do that in real life, where she just, you know, just be. What's the word I'm looking for when you be a? Uh, 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 what's what's the female version of being a dick? She's a real housewife. Is what okay. she was being. Okay. Yeah, just being just that dude that's that's a dick. You know, like she was uh, being a lady dick. Is is what we call it. A lady dick. All yeah, right. that's, that's how we call it. Okay. Okay. No problem. No problem. So. That with, with that notwithstanding, I was treated to a movie that basically um, was a lifetime movie. I mean, it kept repeating the same thing over and over that make you realize that, you know, a mother love is real stronger than anything. I mean, even when the dad did show up, he got his ass kicked. He okay. got his ass beat down while you was doing yeah, that. I'm doing this because we're at 30 minutes right now. Oh, so. okay, okay. <laughs> okay, but I, do, I would say, though... I see what they did with this movie. They, they this is so I didn't have to say it okay. when I did this. All right, <laughs> they they spent six million dollars to make this movie. She's a producer. It made eighteen million dollars. Even if it lose fifty percent of what is made uh, this past week and make another nine million dollars, it's gonna make twenty seven. It's gonna make thirty million dollars. Yes. So it's a successful movie, right? Right. Uh, something we'll harp on when we bring up the second film. Um, most importantly, is well when we do these things. Usually, when you care, compare two movies with their title. Uh, the, the, the second film usually has a handicap because the first one already exists coming up with the idea and then the second film comes along and thinks it can take it. Mm-hmm. This film does not deserve the title Breaking In. Where, where, in, where in this film is this Breaking no, In? it doesn't. Anywhere. It doesn't. This film already has another title and it's, po- it's all over the poster. It is Payback's a Mother. Why is it not called that? You know what that does, actually. It's on the poster. They're saying that like it's a tagline. It's like, no, this is very much like a uh, Edge of Tomorrow situation yeah. where you have a Live, Die, Repeat, which is a better title. Yeah. And it's po- it's all over the poster board. But instead, it, and I'll show you the poster afterwards. It you, It's like in little writing, breaking in uh, on the top. <laughs> Bring back some mother! <laughs> like, but in the breaking in. Like, yeah, just I mean, a little bit. Well, we're gonna go with that one probably, but my bad one would would have been safe nest because they kept on trying to get her back. Mama's not gonna leave the nest, not while her her chicks is in the nest. 
Oh, the other one I had was Kill Bills, but but that only applies to one part of the movie when she tries to burn now, the money. I have to I have to say one thing about the movie that made me laugh at the very end. At the end, ooh, burnt money that that happens in both these films. That's okay. pretty interesting. At the end, I guess you know the runtime is an hour and twenty seven minutes. Yeah. So they really stretched it at the end when the when it was about to go off screen. It paused for like a whole. It went black for like ten seconds before the credits started rolling. I just oh, broke no, out. It, I just it, broke it, out laughing in the theater. Oh, right. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't need to hit the hour and a half mark. It's just more for credibility. But like, come on. They, the the latest uh, Strangers film was. I don't think it even hit eighty minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to okay. be ninety minutes. But it's and, one of those things that happens. It, it helps to better sell a movie. When it gets onto other formats, and the only trivia that I didn't, I, I'm just, I'm just, and it as trivia, only ten people ap- appeared in this film, only ten. Yeah, I know. That's and, and, that's and some of them lived. <laughs> so we're talking like maybe one hand of death. Let me think here. One, two, three. It was oh. five, five, no six if you count the dad. Yeah, four, four, four bad guys, the best friend, the dad, six. What? They didn't die. They didn't die. No, the dad, dad. Oh, the dad, 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 yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, four people. Yeah, four people. You know live. what we call yeah. our granddad? Yeah. The dad, dad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, so um, well, let's quickly play the trailer for the second film, starring Burt Reynolds and some recognizable faces, at least. And I don't, I, I don't think I, I know their names, and I'm not going to bother looking them up. Ernie is an artist, an expert, a master at what he does. I'm a uh, currency relocator. Mike is just. <laughs> Breaking in. I think they can understand that one. You and I are in the same business, kid. Huh? Monkey business. Ever need a, an assistant? Tonight. It's not a job for everyone. What? These pants legs are a little long. Well, let's go home. But he's learning the ropes from the best in the business. Put your hands in your pocket. They like hands. The Samuel Goldwyn Company and Act 3 Productions present Breaking In, a comedy directed by Bill Forsythe and written by John Sayles that teaches you everything you need to know about psychology. Start thinking about who you're stealing from. Might as well pack it in and become a social worker. Chemistry. So today, Mr. Wizard teaches you how to make liquid explosive. Sex education. Do you have a cheerleader? No, I, I, but did, did you want me to be one? No, I Because you should have said something, because I, I, I could do that right now if you want. I could, I could get some things. Driver's Ed. Whose is that? Well, it's mine. It ain't no white man's car. <laughs> it ain't no black man's car either. We're back to the future cameo. Yeah. Uh, so, so this movie uh, came out in 1989, and looking at uh, Burt Reynolds' stage of his career, if you look on IMDb, this is around the time when he was doing voiceover work and made All Dogs Go to Heaven. So he he's not he hasn't hit the Boogie Nights revival spot of his life. This is almost like I'm kind of coasting a little bit, but if I'm given lead roles and things, then I'll go ahead and do it. He's basically the movie version of Adam West. Like Adam West is one of those guys that consistently got work. Not necessarily like ultra famous, mm-hmm. but people loved him enough to where he was constantly being put into things. And and Burt Reynolds has that too. I don't think he's really made that many successful movies, but he's just got that way about him. You know he's going to be in the new Quentin Tarantino film? No, I didn't know Yeah, that. the Once Upon a Time in California or Hollywood. Yeah, he's supposed to be in that film too. The cast that they have so far of it, it looks impressive. They have Margot Robbie. You have uh, Brad Pitt's. Is Samuel Jackson going to be in it? Uh, why not? Okay. He'll play, he'll play Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe one of the victims of Charles Manson. 
Timothy Oliphant is going to be in this. Thing. That's the guy who. Um, that's what I was coming come up. I think with Leonardo DiCaprio is also going to be in this thing too. So you have a decent cast tied. This this one doesn't. It has recognizable faces. Like when we pulled it up, uh, I was like, "Oh, that girl. Yeah, she was in uh, Matchstick Men." As Herman put it, I was like, "No, she was in the guest." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you mean our favorite film that we've covered in here?" It's like, "No, the other one, dummy." <laughs> so it's basically it, it, this is pretty simple plot. Pretty much the the same thing that we had going for the first film. You have. Um, Two criminals, one near the end of his career, one near the beginning of his career, uh, meeting and developing a friendship. That's basically what what happens. And and I'm going to just flat out say right at the beginning, this is the perfect title for this movie because it hits the double meaning in it. You're breaking into a house and you're breaking in to the business. That's a couple – like he's breaking him in on how to be a criminal. Like you, you see this guy and you can tell – it's one of those things that you, when you find out in, in, in these movies, like nobody has the perfect career. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always do time. And there's a scene where Burt Reynolds is talking about it. He's like, there, he, he's, he's hit the point of his life where he's, he's so cautious because of how many times he's been in prison yeah. that he just doesn't want to deal with that again. And you could tell, like, just through, like, a PTSD, him hitting a lot of, like, uh, being in the area just does something to him. Where the other guy is very footloose and fancy-free about his life. He just does not care. He's like, oh, this is great. Like, I, I was a mechanic. Now I'm doing this. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, uh, they're in a town where they're pulling – I think it's St. Louis, right? Isn't that where they're, they're in? I, I did not even get the town name. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was somewhere in Texas. Yeah, you basically have Burt Reynolds and the kid is all you, all you need for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, in, they're in a small town where they are robbing various places and they're they're sticking exclusively to places that have safes and that they can take things overnight and they develop kind of a kin- kinship for this mainly because as Burt Reynolds puts it that's kind of his vice he doesn't have a smoking gambling problem or anything else he just wants companionship and he doesn't get that in this business something that you normally don't get in the criminal uh, enterprise anyway because you're supposed to not have witnesses well he did have a partner and his partner was just too flashy. Yeah. And that's the thing about being a burglar, uh, a basic criminal at all. If you have a partner that is uh, braggadocious and talkative and like to show his money or something, it's going to bring heat on you. You want to be quiet about it. That's a problem mainly because when you get that kind of money, like if you see the Oceans films, like they have to keep raising the stakes for the reasons why these people are doing this movie. Mm-hmm. Like uh, go from like $10 million to $20 million to $30 million. Yet they're supposed to keep the same lifestyle. If you had ten million dollars on you, Herman, would you still be living where you are right now? No, hell, no, no. I would not live. I, I love where I live. It's a, it's a nice place. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it, but you're damn right. I'm not gonna live there, though. You know, right? But in order to keep appearances, they're saying live there, like because the the moment he gets money, he goes out and buys like a really nice place yeah, and, he, and he buys it with like all the money that he stole it basically could have just been wrapped in in one of those bags that had a big dollar sign on the side <laughs> yeah. here you go sonny that's all the money from the bank there yeah. you go that's uh, like it's just something that i mean they even kind of look at each other it's like what do we just do we we, we uh yeah we'll take the money and then he'll he'll uh he'll get in trouble that's basically what what will happen so um uh, uh, they, there's a string of, of robberies. Uh, all, all of it is very footloose and fancy free. Uh, Herman compared it to Logan Lucky because it kind of has that uh, feel to it. This this almost has a feel like of sneakers. 
I don't know if you've ever seen that movie with Robert Redford. No, yeah, I know the, the actors. I never seen that. I wanted to. It, it's a movie that easily could be like your mom's favorite movie. Like mm-hmm. I've talked to people who have said like this is just one of those movies that comes on TV that they watch. It's got Sidney Poitier. It's got uh, Dan Aykroyd. It's got River Phoenix. It's got uh, who else is in this? Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of decent names are in this movie, and it's basically about them. Uh, having not necessarily a good time, but people who know their craft and are quirky enough to where they could have this could have easily just been on like CBS as a TV show sort of thing. You know, like CBS programming now is basically like quirky characters, but they're yeah. the best at what they do sort of thing. Okay, that's that's what. But I enjoy watching this. I enjoy watching sneakers a lot enough to where if they had another sneakers film, you would be watching it. If if the other even if the other sneakers film was like Jonathan Lipnicki <laughs> finds a magical pair of sneakers that turns them into Ray Allen. Oh boy. Oh, what if they bring back the original cast and call it Loafers? Loafers? Yeah. They were pretty old in this film. I mean, this, this film was like made in the mid 90s. This is like I think the last film before River Phoenix died. Like he uh um, oh. uh well don't say oh. He, oh. he was he made like four or five movies. He's not in a ton of films. So it's yeah, a, but I love I love them in Stand by Me. All right, fine. So uh, in this case, you have Burt Reynolds. He is uh, uh, he's always like looking out for that last score sort of thing. But turns out the last score has to come a lot quicker because uh, his new partner sucks at being a criminal. <laughs> but I think that's that's it's important. I think it's important that they that they realize this in the movie. Because he's young, he got in the business not necessarily for a living. He just got into it because he wanted the money, and he's going to soon learn, like from his mistakes, sort of thing. Like this is, you could tell that he never, like Burt Reynolds never got angry at the kid for for what he did. He's just looking at himself really when he sees him, mm-hmm. and he's trying to teach him the right things, but it never works out. It's one of those things when you hear about. Like how much of a, a dick you were when you were a kid mm. and your parents try to teach you the right way mm. and all they're trying to do is just like, man, I see you doing the same dumb shit that I did when I was a kid and you're not listening to me. So, like, that I'm sure you do the same thing with your kids, Herman. Oh, like, yeah. you, you say things and you're like, what does dad know? Oh, yeah. He doesn't know anything. I'm going to live forever. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I say that out to myself. I say, God damn, that motherfucker act just like me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, that's that's just what you're going to say if you have kids. He's going to be like, damn, that motherfucker. And it's aggravating because you know how you used to respond to your parents' um, criticism, and you know exactly that's what they're thinking. And you'd be like, oh, what you call me in your head? Uh. And I know why at times that they it, it, they just gave up because that's how I feel around kids a lot these days. Uh-huh. Like when kids do things that are stupid, yeah, just kind of give up. Like, I, 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 this is a battle I don't want to fight today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll fight it another day. <laughs> basically, I, I'm basically I'm to like uh, I'm resolving to basically they're gonna learn. And I just hope that you know right. they don't go to jail or hurt themselves real bad. But they're gonna learn their lesson. Right, right. And when when most people learn their lesson, they they that that's just life. That's yeah. Very rarely does anybody get out of their teens. Without hitting a few mistakes, mine was always car accidents. Uh, I, I racked up quite a many of them. Uh, like immediately, I was off my parents' insurance. Like it, it, it happened so quick. Um, I, I, my, my car insurance payments were consistently more than my car payments. <laughs> Mine's was, which I now I'm, I'm good at it now, but too late, too, too late to, to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, credit. 
I, I did not pay my bills on time when I was in my early 20s. Right. Yeah, so you, you find these things out, and, and, and nowadays you're like, well, now I know better, and you wish you could tell your younger self that, but there, there would have been something else you would have screwed up with. That's just life. Yeah, that's what I, that's, that's what I, that's what I tell myself <laughs> to make me feel better. Yeah, why don't you, you, find, you realize why people put trust funds in there for their kids so they don't do anything. What's funny is my parents still play the lottery, mm-hmm. and in order for me not to move away from them forever – Want to if they ever win the lottery, will just put the money in a trust fund for me. Like they refuse to even give me because of the threats of me just moving away. Oh, so you saying if somebody gave you ten million dollars, Robert, you would not stay in your, your wonderful house? I don't mind my house. I, okay. I I live this way out of well, pure apathy. Well, let me let me I've phrase said, it. I've said this and I'll say this again. Like I've had people criticize everything about this house. Everything I own in here is a hand me down. It's not yeah. like anything that I. That I, I don't treasure any of this stuff. I talk to people about like how this house should be improved because uh, everything in it is 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 just it's junk. It's two, two it's questions. stuff my parents said we're done with and we're giving it to you. Two sorry. questions. Well, one, the people who criticize you are they homeowners or are they renters? Oh, I I, I hang out I hang out with enough people to where um, the my lifestyle is middle of the road to where some of them are, are worse, some of them are better off. Like, okay. especially in our in, in our improv troupe, there are plenty of people that are in our in, improv troupe that are much better off than me and are way younger than me. So it's not a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think only one is, one is a doctor. One come from a family of money. One come from a very prominent family who have a, a street name back yeah, after yeah. them. And uh, the other one is Evan. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but no, the other question was, no, I'm going to phrase it the way you phrase it to me. If you got $10 million and they tell you you have to keep your lifestyle as it is now, oh, I already know the answer. Yes, you would keep your lifestyle. Well, I don't know what I'd do. Like, I feel like $10 million isn't enough to, to, to make it a serious upgrade. Like, I might move into someplace nicer in my neighborhood. I think you just buy a house in Austin. Yeah, well, that's, that's the dream. It's just Austin's pricing me out at this point. It is it is way too expensive to where I would buy a bed and breakfast in Austin, like turn it around and, and become a kind of like one of those. It, it's funny, the, the, the few times I've stayed in like someone else's property, the amount of upkeep that they use for that place almost mm-hmm. wears me out just by thinking about it. Like the amount of amenities that they have to include to make it feel like they're, uh, they're a decent location that they get repeat customers sort of yeah. thing. But really, you only need to rent that place out like at place out for like two weeks out of the year, and that's all, like during South by Southwest. That's the only time that it matters. Is yeah. like that's their Mardi Gras. They need to make their money at that point. So no, but that's how that's how business works. By me uh, getting up in management a couple of, a couple of my jobs, I see that like you think they're making money every month. Yeah. But a lot of companies they only make money like three months out the year, and that's. Basically cover the whole year. The rest of the the rest of the year is just basically breaking even. Yeah, Austin really wants to become a tourist town, and they're doing their darndest to do it. The problem is, uh, they're not a year long tourist town. They are a tourist town for specific seasons. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people like going there, uh, which is the reason why I was already looking at it. Like, hey, let's see if I want to go back to Austin, sort of thing. <laughs> it's funny though, uh, taking a trip to New Orleans. I forget how nice nicer parts of New Orleans are. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm because, glad you say that. Because because uh, like going downtown New Orleans is it's very nice. Like I can't stand Bourbon Street, but but Royal Street right next door where nobody walks down, like it runs. Now parallel. you sound like, you sound like a New Orleans now, boy. Well, it's it's right next to Bourbon, and it's and it's nice. Nobody like, goes down. Nobody there. goes down it, it and it, that's where all the antique shops at. Right. Like, it's it's it is it's. 
beautiful window shopping, and everybody else would rather go down whore town, which is which is essentially what the other side. And it's not even like good whores. It's like yeah. it's like oh well, you have to buy like a souvenir shirt in order to see something. And you if know? you go down, if you go the next street over to Decatur Street, yeah, that's even better. Oh, where at the park, or is that? Like oh, or are you talking about oh, you talking about like Cafe Du Monde? That's right, that area. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well, no, the, not the Cafe Du Monde. But if you go from Canal Street, uh, Decatur, all the way to St. Louis, before yeah. you get to Cafe Du Monde, yeah. they got some nice shops in there. They got a nice little, uh, nice little liquor shop. But he made it like a bar. You can actually buy you a bottle of nice whiskey, different assortment of whiskey. Open it up in there and sit down and enjoy the ambiance of the French Quarter. But that was what was cool about that. That convention I went to is because it was a lot of walking around New Orleans, mm-hmm. and and they they built New Orleans into the into the game. So okay. it was great just walking down and doing a whole bunch of the stuff. It got hot after a while, yeah. but still it was great. Mm-hmm. What's funny is I bet I'm I, I I'll go back down later. I bet I can go to Royal Street in six months, and they're going to still have that same clue that's at a PO box. <laughs> Yeah, probably because because I, I I took a picture of it and I bet it'll still be there because it's, it's just it was sitting there the next day and it had nothing to do with what we were doing the next day. They still got Andre the Giants um, posters like in New Orleans yeah. around around the city. That's you know that's why I know that image when yeah. they came up on trivia one night. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so I think we've said enough. I I, I don't think we have to convince Herman <laughs> on explaining about uh, uh, switching the title of the first movie of Breaking In. No. Uh, as in the Gabrielle Union film. No, yeah. It is now Payback's Mother, and the second one can keep its style because it makes sense. I'm not even... I, I was try, trying to think of another t- uh, title for it, and I was thinking, yeah. like, Ernie's Enough? Like, that. That that's... that Like, when they were coming up with Ernie, nicknames. Ernie and Casey? Yeah, because that, that was Bert. Bert's name, even though yeah. Bert Ernie, <laughs> get it? Uh, uh, do you think yeah. they did that on purpose? But anyway, Ernie and the Five Stone Kid. You want to say anything else before we sign off here? Yeah, Casey, what happened to Casey? I liked him at three, three o'clock high. Why? Why? He, why his career never took off? I look. It, the picture that they had on IMDb looked relatively recent, okay. so right. so he may still be around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that was the the kid in this film. I I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, but, yeah. but I must like to say that when this come out, I'll be a proud. Father of a high school graduate. What? Yes. Uh, my daughter graduating this week. It uh, doesn't matter what day because you're not going to be there. <laughs> but um, I'm surprised that I actually have an you ATL. You have a limited number of tickets, Herman. You can't just like invite people willingly. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Hey, well, all our listeners, if y'all show up in Baton Rouge, <laughs> y'all can come. <laughs> all right. All, all three of y'all. But, um, no, so I'll be a proud uh, graduate father. And, um, damn. I can't believe I'm that. Well, I don't feel old, but I just can't believe I actually raised an 18 year old. It's crazy. Well, you're done, Herman. <laughs> you don't have to do a, a thing anymore according to the law. So you are done. <laughs> nah, nah, that, not in this new world we living in. Oh, that's true. Okay. Uh, that, that should do it. I, I think there's still plenty of time before our next spoof night, which is like in July. <sighs> still uh, ways away. But you got practice, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We we yeah. We, uh, there's more stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just um, follow all the other Red Stick uh, podcasts are out there, especially our sister podcast, the uh, Red Stick podcast, and Dork. They put out enough stuff to where <laughs> where they're 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 with us as well. Yeah, they put out when they want to put it out. Yeah. They, they, you know, you know when they do it. You don't have to do it when we do it. Yeah. <laughs> but another that can be only one podcast. My name is Robert Rao. Herman Omega Prime Davis. Good night, everybody. Let's see if this is working. 
Working, working, working. And, and I just hit everything in the process. Working, working, working. We just working. We just some fabulous working guys. Yes. <laughs> the worst SNL sketch that you've come. Hey, hey, hey. We're nine to fivers. Got ourselves a 401k, baby, baby, baby. Yeah. I'm just thinking of wild and crazy guys, but they're now like settled down and uh, have steady jobs, and they're like they're already invested too much in their company, so they can't just go out and party every night. It's like, oh, you know, I'd come out with you, sweet ladies, but it's 9:30 on a Tuesday. I gotta, gotta get up and for that board meeting tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's just way too many responsibilities I have in my life. I can't have that carefree lifestyle that I used to have. Because we just some wild working guys. That was gonna be a good SNL skit. Okay, <laughs> I think it will be. I mean, why not? Why we don't even have to write it in. This is already going through the ether. <laughs> uh, just, just. I want credit for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We uh, co-writing credits between Herman and I. We uh, that's that's perfect. Have you been watching SNL? It depends on who's on. Yeah, they had they they had uh, Amy Schumer on last night, and and uh, AB Club gave it a, a C minus. That was enough for me to say. Eh, well, AV Club this. gave it uh, with uh, Donald they, Glover. The uh, you mean Childish Gambino? Is that who you mean? <laughs> no, Donald Glover. B B plus somewhere around there. Okay, probably okay. the same thing that John Mulaney got. Watch both of those, but that that was about it. And I didn't get past maybe the first forty five minutes on either one. Mm-hmm. If there was a sketch that ended up like people liking, then then I might have come back to watch it. But no, not not. I don't watch it as religiously as I used to, especially since they have. The, the sketches all online. Yeah, that's basically what I wound up doing is just catching some of the sketches on, on uh, YouTube now. The thing that they think they're most popular for is the reason why it's tough to watch these days. And, and when they get like guest stars to come in to play roles, uh, they don't need to do that anymore. You you have people that have been in that cast for 10 plus years. It's like, Keenan Thompson's never going to leave unless you kick mm, him out. No, nah, they even mentioned he's coming back. It's like, well, duh. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's got a steady job. He, he You hired him not out of anything. Like, mm-hmm. he, he had already gone through the process and realized, oh, this is as far as I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm not going to go any higher. They're not going to hire me for another Fat Albert. So, yeah, he did. so this is fine. Yeah, that was his only, like, lead role in the movie. Yeah. So, so you, you've got steady performers on your show. You don't have to bother going out and getting a Alec Baldwin to play Trump, the easiest impression known to mankind. And you have to hire stunt Casting in order to get somebody to play Trump, that's that's irritating. That really is irritating. You can't build a show around guest performers. Getting one or two, it's a nice highlight. Them breaking uh, from normal sketch, that's interesting. But when you do it too often, when you press that nitrous button too often, then, then it just doesn't make it a great show. Uh, the, the better shows have, are, have always been the ones where they, they tried something that is timeless, and it's fun to watch at any point. Uh the like Dave but, Chappelle show? No, well, not not necessarily. The stuff that um, it's not to say that Dave Chappelle isn't timeless or he doesn't have good stuff. It's just that Dave Chappelle is is uh, has very predictable what he's going to do. Like he had characters built up. I'm talking about the ones that are that are like on the edge that may borderline even like is this even watchable comedy? But but you watch it so many times that it, it becomes part of the lexicon sort of thing. The, those are the ones that are the most entertaining. Like the sketches that uh, that uh, shit, Cal Mooney and and I, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Oh, Where, yeah, the, the 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 two guys. Yeah, the two guys that are on SNL that do the the uh, the commercials for like the bad 
uh, sitcoms, those things. Those things are a riot. Oh, okay, okay. But I can't remember but his you name. but but play about. so badly to a live audience that they never have them. So so that's why. All right, we've done four minutes of the shit. <laughs> okay then. All right.